So hello and welcome to the Policy Innovation Podcast, the place you can listen to people from mums and former prime ministers to startup founders and scientists share their experience and ideas for innovating policy to build a better world. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce Tanesh Chaya, founder and CEO of Decipher Cyber Jenny Limited. Tanesh, welcome. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Please tell us all about you. Okay, so I am uh, a cybersecurity guy. Uh, I started my cybersecurity journey uh, with the old uh, folk about 18 years ago. So we don't actually call it cyber. We still call it network security, data security, information security. But then five years ago, deciding to start my own uh, cybersecurity company. And now I sort of have a cybersecurity boutique consultancy as well as a cybersecurity business intelligence platform called Jenny, which is who you mentioned a little while ago. Oh, and why do you do what you do? So initially, you know, it wasn't so, uh, it's really interesting, it's a great question, because initially when we came into this space, like a lot of us probably did, I remember we're in our mid-40s, you know, and a lot of us who are sort of, sort of senior now, sort of 40s into mid-50s is probably where it started. Um, it, cyber wasn't, it wasn't what it is now. So for example, now the description I give to my children is I'm a cyber hero. Right, I combat cyber crime, and they love it. You know, all I need is a cape. Um, I'm only five foot six, so there's not much of a hero I'm exactly built to defend. If this is a real human being, but you know, we're, what we do right now, when we talk to SMEs or when we talk to individuals, or talk to friends or family, or with what we do with uh, uh, with Jenny, and we, you know, we just educate the market what's available out there. You genuinely feel like you're making a difference. Whilst before, you know, when we came into this industry, a lot of us who came in, it, I, I, I think it was very simple back then. It was antivirus, firewall security maybe some network security simple solutions point solutions and we all kind of came in to kind of just sell it you know or or build it and talk about the engineering side of it or, and that's what people did but it's got complex now so when 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 i get asked that you know why do you do what you do i genuinely feel like i make a difference to the people we talk to the people we work with uh, and and whoever that may be so it's a lot it's a lot more it's a passion thing now right as opposed to uh, and I do wear an invisible cape and, you know, I'm wearing it now. And that's what I genuinely feel like I do. I, do, I don't feel like I work. I do work, of course, for my investors who are listening. Of course I work. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's not great. I do work. Of course we work. But, uh, you know, every day I genuinely feel like we're making a difference. And I think that's the difference between, you know, somebody who's in it for just because it's something fashionable and innovative, us fashionable more than anything else, like going to work for IoT or big data, any one of those other big areas. I, I'm one of the old school where I've grown into this um, and every day is a different day and every day we're learning constantly right because the threat vectors are different as well mm. so yeah it's, it's fun. That's awesome and it's so important I think to be passionate about what you do because I was reading the other day that we spend a, around two-thirds of our time working so it is important wow. to do something uh, you're passionate about with a virtual cape on uh, yeah. or not. And what is it that you do there? So I know why you're doing it now, but what is it? How can Jenny help me, for example, or someone else? Sure. So, you know, if you look at the market, it's exploded with um, cybersecurity vendors and suppliers. 
right? I mean, there's thousands of them. In fact, I can tell you exactly how many are because our platform, Jenny Tracks, she actually goes out there, looks for these cybersecurity vendors as well as uh, service providers. And she, in real time, she brings them back to our platform, indexes them, and then we give them, we notify our users that, you know, uh, these companies exist. And we collect a whole array of data on these companies. So everything from their services and products all the way through to their financials, their security score, anything that would help you as an individual make an essential buying decision, procurement decision, or partnering decision with that uh, company that Jenny's found, okay? So what does that ultimately mean? It saves you research time. It gives you confidence to make decisions uh, with assurance. It, it saves you search fatigue. It gives you a full view of all the providers out there. If you're looking to invest in that company from a, a VC perspective, I'm just thinking of different use cases here. You know, we give you some due diligence around that. Who else is in that space potentially that you may not be aware of? Um, think about it from a procurement perspective, you know, a lot of procurement professionals use Jenny today to find companies that are over a certain uh, tenure, uh, so they have to be over two years before they'll even look at entertaining them to bring them onto their, you know, supplier list, take CISOs and IT security professionals, they'll probably know the big household names. If you and me wrote a list today, and, and, and I know not you're, you're not in CyberSec, but imagine if you wrote a list of the top 10 cybersecurity companies, we'd probably write the same ones. Everybody kind of knows who they are, right? Those, oops, sorry. <laughs> Is uh, my mum. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, there we go. No, no, not there at we... all. No, that's nice. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. But yeah, mum. What's mum? 47 years old, and I got interrupted by mum. I feel like I've gone bright red. Um, I, 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 don't, I didn't normally warn people, but yeah, sorry. My apologies. Um, not at all. So, so, you know, take take it if you need to. No, no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's fine. I did the old standard. I'll call back. Um, so yeah, if you look at it like the different use cases, there we've got a whole array of different use cases. Uh, you know, I was referring to the CISO just a minute ago. The CISO effectively wanna that they'll be typically using the existing vendors they know of, you know, the Gartner top right vendors. But actually, there's a whole bunch of people out there in the security community who actually don't know there's this long tail of really cool, innovative cybersecurity products that are much more cost effective, that actually are more uh, relatable and serviceable to their. Uh, their market or their um, what, whatever, they, they may be an SME and they'd be more relevant to them, right? As opposed to that big enterprise vendor who is going to come in with mm. a heavy tool, it's going to be expensive and they, they typically can't afford it anyway, right? If you go got Gartner top right, typically the story is it's going to cost you a lot more money to have that badge as well as that product. Cool, cool. And just for our, us late, CISO meaning Chief Security ah, Officer yes. or Cyber Security Officer? Yeah, Chief Information Security Officer. Um, they still haven't made the board yet. There's uh, there's a big debate going on in the community around, you know, uh, whether a CISO should be a board position. Mm. Typically, they still re report into the board, but they aren't. They haven't made it quite into the board, which I think is, uh, in some instances, it's it's not great because these guys are very senior. You know, there's a lot of pressure on these guys, and uh, especially with the banks. You know, they should hold a position on the board. Uh, and uh, absolutely, I mean, isn't cyber now, especially with digitization, we are all connected. So surely it's got to be one of the biggest upcoming risks. That's not even talking about geopolitics or getting into that. Mm, mm. That's um, yeah, super interesting. They should be should be at the board level. Well, maybe this is also one of the innovations in business is that the C-suite should accommodate the CISO. I hear that if last year was the year of digital and biotech <clears throat> after COVID, this year is the year of cyber. 
Um, so, so yeah, I think that's absolutely something that um, that companies should be doing for, for the reasons. I think you every year. I think every year. Every year of cyber. Oh yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly uh, if you ask any security professional, if you called up any of the, you know, I'm blessed to have about <clears> 67 CISOs flanking me who helped me create this product, Jenny. And if you speak to any one of them, you know, there's a lot of them are military background. All of them, some of them are veterans. You know, they started off their careers very, very young as, uh, you know, IT network guys and moved into this thing called IT security and now it's known as cyber. If you speak to any one of them, you know, the, the amount of uh, pressure on them, you know, that cyber is first and foremost now. And there's this big, the other big debate is, you know, who should they report? Should they report into IT? Should they report into IT or should IT report into security, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, which way should it be? So it makes for a really interesting conversation to get their opinions as practitioners, the kind of challenges they face. And, and having worked with a lot of them side by side and as peers and as colleagues and as offices, as suppliers to them, um, it, it's, it's a very, it's a tough gig for them. It's a very tough gig for them. Hence, you see them, a lot of them suffer from, you know, mental challenges. They have alcohol problems. They don't sleep at night, you know, because imagine you're the chief information security officer of a big, one of the top banks in the country who are constantly being attacked. You can only feel for these guys and girls, right? Because it's not a fun job and mm. they have the badge, but they're certainly not on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Doing their job. I didn't, I didn't think of that. Yeah, they'll have to be on call 24-7. Yeah, somebody, somebody's head will roll if there's a breach, right? And, and nowadays, there's a breach every other day. You know, before, probably hear a breach and it'd be like, oh my God, there's a breach. But now, I mean, there's, there's companies out there that report breaches. And if you just look at last month's breaches in the UK, uh, I can't remember what this report, I, mean, I was only reading it the other day uh, from, from this uh, article I was sent. And there were 13 breaches in the UK, big, well-known breaches just in the UK alone, just in January, and we've just started the year. So, you know, imagine what those CISOs or uh, IT security directors are going through right now, and then their teams as well, to have to combat all of that, right? It's, it's, mm. it's, it's pressure, it is stress. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, everything from protecting your data uh, to infrastructure, yeah. On that note then, <clears throat> what innovation would you like to see in cybersecurity and, and policy to support with that, to help you do what you do? Yeah, so for me, it extends beyond uh, just the enterprise and the professional and the SME space. I've got two young children and they're, they're in an age right now where they're spending a lot of time on their devices. And, you know, you have to find a balance between giving them the freedom to have the responsibility of having a phone but then also as a parent being responsible to know how much time are they spending on that device, number one, making sure they're not ending up on links somewhere which look innocent, but then can take them off to somewhere nefarious or suspect or, you know, something you don't want to expose them to. Um, then the third thing is you want to make sure they're protected from cyberbullying or, or, or sexting or any of the other challenges these young community face. So, since actually, I, I've actually moved to Australia about three, four months ago. One of the things they've got over here is called the eSafety Commission. And basically they center their whole uh, agenda around protecting young people online. And I really like that. And it's everywhere uh, that, from the way they market on TV to the way it is on socials, to the way it's talked about a lot. I, you know, at some point we probably will move back to, the, to London and to the UK. And if there was, any ask I could have within policy change and to bring in innovation underpinned by technology. And that te technology would be to protect youngsters 
more through education, through awareness and through technology, right? Because parents don't know enough, for sure. They don't even know that their children may be in that cycle of cyberbullying or something terrible. And before you know it, it's too late because then the child's already gone into that zone of, you know, whatever it may be. So if, if I had, if I could write something in policy today, it would be very much centered around looking after young people online with a very similar uh, agenda to over here in Australia, which is the e-safety commission and the e-safety commission who's driving it. And she's very vocal and she's out here. And I, and I absolutely, I, I follow all of her posts. And I just think, would it be cool if we had something like this back home to, you know, that reinforces that, that there is a place, there is rules, there is engagement, there are things parents should look for. There are tools that parents can take in and drop in and it can be given away for free or it could be mandated. I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud. But if, if I had that choice, because I'm going through it and I've got two young daughters, that's partly one, but even if I didn't have them, I work with a lot of young people, as you know, and there, there is a lot of challenges with social media. Um, you know, even when they get older, there's challenges, you know, as we know, you just have to be on Instagram for just a little bit to just see there's all these shapes and sizes of people that just don't exist, right? And then as a young person, you get influenced. So that's one element, but more around, you know, the sort of more nefarious activity. That's one thing I would like to potentially, if I had, if I had, if I could have a say, if we can make a change with this podcast, then of course, that's what I would ask the, the policymakers to look into for, for, for home, for London and the UK. I think that's um, a very uh, noble policy innovation to make and something that probably policymakers don't think enough about. Don't know if it's because there's not enough young voices being heard in politics or not, or if it's just an emerging technology that people are less familiar with. But it is so important because uh, especially young people, digital natives and, and Jen said, but all of us do spend so much time online. We need to make sure that the environment is safe as you would in the yeah. physical world. So I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, Tanesh, you're obviously a, a, an entrepreneur um, and an explorer. What advice do you have for people listening on the podcast today who might be thinking about um, starting a business or wanting to raise money to create a, a, an invention? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I get asked this one a lot and my response is always the same. You know, go in with your eyes wide open. Don't just think about the cash flows, think about your mental well-being as well be prepared. Also, you know, depending on what stage you are in your life, if you're a younger person and your responsibilities, financial responsibilities certainly, are not so, you know, if you haven't got many outgoings, for example, take the risk, make the plunge, go do it, right? Because you're going to fail. If you fail, fail fast. It's okay. You've still got the cushion. You've got your whole life ahead of you. I started my journey a lot later. You know, I've got two young children. I've got a family. I've got a mortgage. I've got bills to pay. So this, this one thing I didn't calculate uh, as a sort of middle-aged guy, deciding to leave a, a well-paid corporate job to start a, a startup was I didn't um, acknowledge the, not just the financial challenges that I would have with cash flows and runway and being able to raise and raise is a whole different world as you know, but the fact that mentally it's, it's, it's tough. You, you are now no longer, you don't no longer have a team around you. When you're working for a corporate, you've got a bid team manager, you've got a commercial manager, you've got someone doing delivery. You've got all of these component parts, especially in the initial days when you're building this team. Um, or when you're actually not in funding, it's just you and maybe one other co-founder or maybe a few of you, that's your lot. And you've got to rely on those guys and you've got to work as a team. 
So make sure you get your founding team correct. Make sure you all trust each other. Make sure you all come with a different skill set. Make sure you can challenge each other. If you're older, make sure you know you've got the cash flows there and the runway is there before you go out and start in uh, looking for a raise because money will run out. But then that is uh, linked with you running your household and your family and those that can also lead to quite fractious. Uh, uh, and broken times and difficult times, not broken times, difficult times for, you know, families, I've been through it. Um, also your mental well-being. make sure it's kept in check, right? Where, where, whichever stage you're in. And I'm blessed to have uh, founders of different ages uh, next to me. Um, and they come from that younger group and they come from the older group. And even the younger group guys, regardless of what their financial situation is, the mental piece, none of us catered for, none of us allowed for. The fact that you will have weeks and sometimes what seems like months of just, it all just seems like it's all going wrong. But actually what's happening is it, you're just learning, you're evolving, you're pivoting, you're having to take extra chances. You may be financially exposed. There's a whole bunch of things and it gets compounded. At times like that, make sure you've got a really good network of people you can talk to. I'm very blessed to have a good network of people that I can just WhatsApp and say, hey man, I'm not having a good day today. Uh, and that's just the way I am. I'm built, I'm quite open. As you know, you've spoken to me for quite a while now. Um, you know, I, I am first to kind of say to the world, look at this, help me, right? Because if, I'm, if I can look after myself first, and I'm well first, and I can look after everybody else. But if I'm not great first, no hope of anybody else being looked after, right? And that's just a personal um, way I am. So th those things I would definitely say, you know, uh, you know, take care of. And then of course, you know, I've started a couple of companies by myself, probably not the best thing to do because you are alone making decisions by yourself. And whilst they did okay, they didn't do half as well as the ones I started with for example, Jenny, which I started with the co-founder, completely opposite to me, younger guy, very smart, uh, a numbers guy, a developer, arguably the brainy one out of the two, um, you know, and I'm the old guy with the white beard. Um, but the balance he brings to me and the balance I bring to him, the yin and the yang and the good days are, and the bad days are, luckily we've not both had bad days, but we've both had good days. And that sound check and that soundboard and that just that avenue to talk and explore has been priceless. Uh, I would recommend that to anybody personally yeah uh, that's a really good point emerging yourself with people that can help and vice versa and this is something i think because um in my day job at innovate uk edge we often meet founders uh, who um, who try and go the whole way by themselves and i think it is a lonely journey it's a tough <clears throat> journey and mentally challenging journey and if you can find someone that balances and strengthens your capabilities together is absolutely yeah. a way forward and you see people growing faster they're happier they're more innovative for sure. If you have, or do you have any asks for our listeners, um, whether it's related to cyber or checking out Jenny or investing or just anything else, um, yeah, do let us know. You know, you know I, I, I don't want to make this about Jenny and I don't want to make this about um, anything specific there. You know, what I would like to make it about is especially any entrepreneurs or people who are thinking about taking a step, absolutely do it absolutely do it because you know right now the world needs innovation the world needs disruptors the world needs people who are prepared to step up and go anti-establishment you know i got made redundant that january morning for me to be able to take the blue pill or the red pill and i decided to take the red pill and here i am now listen it's been a roller coaster journey and it'll continue to be so uh but if there's anybody listening out there you know covid has accelerated some of those side hustles but don't give up your day job until that side hustle gives you enough revenue or you can certainly see a runway of 
uh, cash coming in to be able to support you individually or you and your family before you go and jumping off the cliff totally and thinking this is the way forward because it may just have been a lucky run or it actually may be on something good and there may be a business there so with all of that said absolutely we need more people like us out there doing what we do um, challenge the status quo by the way you'll also get a lot of knockbacks from people take it all on the chin take it all you know water the ducks back how many people times have i've heard people say well i didn't get the point of jenny well jenny's got thousands of global users and that's probably the biggest database in the world for cybersecurity companies tracked in real time if i'd listened to all those naysayers back then you know we wouldn't be here now and we've done 167 vendor demos every single vendor loves jenny so we can't be doing we can't be wrong you know we've proven this is proven so that's what i would say just do it man get up make it happen fulfill your dreams but just take it make it calculated and think about that that's i always talk about that because that's the bit that will go first before money will go right because it's it is a, you've got to have nerves of steel i was going to say something else but i was going to say <laughs> nerves of steel best not you know that that is a great point as well, because um, it's great to get advice from people, but sometimes feedback isn't constructive. And it's a balance, isn't it, of trying to take on valuable feedback, but still having that perseverance and persistence to keep on going forward. Well, yeah. um, Tanesh, it was an absolute pleasure speaking to, uh, to you today. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Nathan. Thanks for having me.